number eight in our series, Inside Out, and uh, we're calling this morning, Spotted in the Crowd. And over these last weeks, we've been thinking about the way Jesus often turns around or turns inside out, maybe even upside down, some of the things that we would naturally think. And last week, we we talked about how we tend to think of leaving our families to connect with church, even if we take our families with us, whereas Jesus talked a lot about, and the Bible talks a lot about, a building church within your family. And so we've been seeing over the weeks how Jesus turns on uh, its head some of the ideas that we would naturally think about and have. And as part of that, last week we were thinking about uh, extended family and the way that uh, around the world people build uh, extended family in a way we don't in recent history in our Western culture. We concentrate on the nuclear family, whatever that might be these days in our understanding, but traditionally over the last uh, century, the nuclear family of a, of a kind of parents and a couple of kids and a, and a garage or whatever it might be. Whereas around the world, and certainly the world in which the gospel flourished in the New Testament, they didn't understand family like that. They had a much broader set of relationships that they lived and shared their lives with uncles and aunts, uh, not just blood relationships, business partners, neighbors, and so on. And so a social grouping of perhaps 15, 20, 25 adults. And that relational building block was the foundation for all other relationships. Now, we've had an experiment in our culture of getting rid of that and seeing what happens. Well, we've seen what happens. The nuclear family comes under such pressure in that environment that it's struggling now a hundred years on even to cope. So we were thinking about uh, how we might build and form extended family relationships as a really important building block that we see in the Bible for mission and uh, discipleship. And maybe as I describe some of uh, some some of the aspects, some of the, the ways that family might look or feel, maybe last week you were thinking, well, I'd really like to be part of one of those. Just in case you've missed it, and we haven't joined up the dots uh, uh, enough, we've had nine invitations over the last 18 months for any one of you to join an extended family. Each of our missional communities that have invited you to share the journey with them before they've launched, then invited you again to share the journey with them once they've launched, is effectively an invitation to share in extended family. And I want to uh, just reflect with you just for a moment uh, and invite you to reflect in your own life as to whether being part of an extended family set of relationships would be for you a real blessing, but what you've heard when you've been invited to join a missional community is a list of tasks that you will need to do. Because we think in tasks, and we think in roles, and you might well be afraid that if you got involved with those relationships, then there will be a pile of things that you have to do. You may in time want to do things in that family, but the invitation is to belong as much as it is to do. 
And I think we want to be looking as a church as to how we help one another to belong in the various extended families that we already have. And indeed, there are some small groups and there are some different organizations within our church that are nudging themselves deliberately towards living in a more extended familial way. And we want to encourage that. So if you think you haven't been invited, there are loads of invitations on the table for you to be part of an extended family. The second thing is, I was asking you last week to think about who have you got and what do you do regularly as your starting point. And I promise that if you were thinking, well, I've got no idea who I've got, that we would help us this week to think about what Jesus's strategy was and is for us when we don't know where to start. And this strategy is the same and works on many different levels. So for example, you might be a missional community leader or a group leader and you're thinking, how do I grow my group? This is the strategy. You might be thinking, um, uh, I've got some time and energy to give to other Christians to help them, encourage them and grow them in the faith. I don't know where to start. This is the strategy for helping you work this out. And above all else, we're all thinking, I hope, I know I'm called to build relationships with people that don't know Jesus yet, that will be strong enough to carry my faith into their lives, but I don't know where to start. This strategy will really help. And Julie and Scott are going to come and help us think about this strategy that Jesus gave us. So when we go, I don't know where to start, it starts right here. And I think Scott's kicking off. Okay, so, yeah, Jesus' strategy for sharing his faith. Um, well, that's that big E word, isn't it? Evangelism. We go to an evangelical church, so we know all about it. Uh, so I could talk to you for, you know, an hour or so about this, um, but... Why not watch a a quick YouTube video that sums it up even better? This is called The Skinny on Evangelism. You might want to take notes. It's really serious. Evangelism is not for the weak. All right. I should know. I wrote a whole book about it. Self-published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, Hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water on a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, sir, it sounds like you're really passionate about Jesus. I am. Um, And you should also be. Okay. Passionate about the Lord. Sir, if there's... You need to get sanctified or chicken fried. You need to get with the Lord or drive a Ford. Sir, we... Get right or get left. I share my faith. Okay, that's a lie. People don't even know I'm a Christian. I want to. Again, another lie. I hardly shower, much less have the will to do anything else. Mm, okay. Now, if there was pizza and ice cream every time there was faith sharing, I'd do it. That's a lie. I'm lactose intolerant. Again, another lie. I'm just too cheap to buy dairy. 
Bottom line, sharing my faith makes me sweaty. Uh, tip number 95, um, use big church words like transubstantiation. Heathens get confused easily, and the more confused they are, the more shame they are. The more shame they are, the more apt they are to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I believe it's a responsibility, no, the privilege, no, the glorious privilege of every believer to share their faith with others. That's why I share my faith with everyone I come in contact with. Everyone, really? <laughs> yeah, everyone. How do you do that? Uh, check out my shirt. Can't read it? Try this glove. Not working for you? How about this bracelet? No comprendo? Vistazo a estos. <laughs> Driving behind me? Read my bumper sticker. Says, it's okay if you follow close. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> oh, you're my waiter or waitress? I got a tip for you. Surprise! It's the gospel. I mean, what do you want? Money or eternity? <laughs> I also use these tracks. <laughs> so, what about talking to people about your faith? I don't really like people, but I love Jesus. <laughs> Scripture mint. Okay, so which one was your favorite? <laughs> I think uh, I think I like the amplified man the best. You know, get sanctified or chicken fried. Uh, I think he's my favorite. Um, so it's kind of jokey, but if you've been going to kind of church long enough, you might have seen all these strategies for sharing your faith. Um, Certainly, kind of, as I was growing up, it was kind of, the the emphasis was on doing it at all costs. You must share your faith. You know, no pain, no gain. If it's, uh, even if it's difficult, you know, it's probably just because they're just such sinners, they're not open to the message. Um, but the thing is, you look at Jesus and his strategy for sharing faith, and uh, he did things differently. Jesus turns things inside out. So, I want to look at... Uh, Jesus and his strategy, just a kind of superficial cursory look at it, and you notice at least three things. Firstly, for Jesus, evangelism seemed like a lot more fun than that. You know, um, you know it was serious, yes, but he did seem to, to enjoy it. He seemed to take uh, a light-hearted approach to it at times, you know. He was always cracking jokes. He cracked jokes about camels fitting through the eye of the needle. He, he, he made jokes about um, turning the other cheek. And that, that's actually, if you understand Jewish culture, that's a really funny joke, if you, especially if you're into like uh, first century Hebrew toilet humor. It's really funny. Look into it. You can talk to me later if you like. But So he, he'd crack a few jokes while he was doing it. He enjoyed it. He was very relational. Second thing we noticed is that he approached every context in a different way. So the way he talked to the woman at the well was very different to the way he talked to uh, the rich young ruler. You look at John 3 when he spoke to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, a very respected teacher in the Sanhedrin. When he spoke to him, he, he met him at night because to meet him in the day would have caused him a whole lot of problems. When he talked to him, he talked to him in theological terms. And yet, in Matthew 12, when he met with the guy with the withered hand on a Sabbath, he took a totally different approach. The, the thing that that guy needed right there was to be healed. So Jesus healed him. Whether it was a Sabbath or not, Jesus healed him. It was a different approach. Same if you look at um, Mark 2, when those guys let down their friend through the roof because they couldn't get into the house. That time, he took a totally different approach again. He said, he knew he wanted healed, but he said, 
Son, your sins are forgiven. A different approach depending on the different context that he was speaking and meeting people in. Then thirdly, he didn't mind actually saying, well, this isn't working, wipe the dust from your feet. In fact, if you look at the reading we had today, Luke 10, in verse 11, that is exactly advice that he gives. So I want to look at that reading now and, uh, and take from that Jesus' strategy for sharing his faith. So if you look at verses 5 through to 7, I'll just read them again. This is kind of Jesus' school of sharing faith. And it's based around this concept of person of peace, which you've perhaps heard about, perhaps you haven't. We're going to look at it a bit more and we're going to try and come to a definition of it. So verse 5, whatever house you enter, this is Jesus telling his disciples, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there... Your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. That's the, that's the good news. Eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Okay, so what can we take from this? His strategy, what he was telling his disciples, was to go to somewhere, find a a network of relationships, But there'll be one person in particular who's kind of the key to that network. So you go in to the household. I mean, that's what he's talking about, this extended family that Simon was talking about last week. You find this extended family. There's one person there. You say, peace be to this house, to this household, this extended family. And if there is peace there, it will return to you in the form of this person of peace. Okay, it says, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. So there's this person of peace that is key to creating uh, extended family, key to sharing your faith. So let's take four points from this about who a person of peace is, and then I'll pass it on to Julie. One, a person of peace is someone who actively helps you. It's not something you've got to really convince, even if they're not in a believing position just there, even if they're not what you would call a believer, they actively helped you. They're inviting you into their house. They're letting you stay there. Jesus isn't saying here that, oh, you go into a town and find a Christian. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, go in, find someone who's open, find someone who's a person of peace to you, and then stay with them in their house. So they're actively helping you, even though they're not in a position yet. Number two, a person of peace, because they're actively helping you, they're probably going to be open to eventual gospel transformation in their own life. Okay? Next. Thirdly then, because they're open to this gospel transformation, they're going to be curious about what you say. It's not going to be difficult. It's not, you're not going to be squeezing blood out of a stone. They're going to be asking you questions. And we've seen this in our own uh, missional activity so far in the church. The people who we identify as people of peace are those who come to us. They help us. They ask us interesting questions. They're open to this message. And then fourthly... This person is almost certainly going to be an integral part of a relational network that already exists. They're like the key. And it's not as kind of, 
you know, strategic as that. You're not using them as a means to an end. It's just the way God works. This person is going to unlock so many more relationships for you. And that is how Jesus uh, intended for the gospel to be shared. Okay, Julie. So, people of peace. Now, some of you will be sitting there, I know, thinking, aha, I know who that is, I know who that is. Um, and some of you will be sitting there thinking, I'm not sure who that person of peace might be for me or my, or my community. And so what we're going to do now is, um, is think a little bit more about uh, how do we actually identify those people. And then once you've done that, what do we actually do next? What's the next step? The first thing to say is that um, Jesus said, go, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. So it's as you go that you will discover people of peace. Um, Why is that, do you think? Well, everywhere we go in our daily lives uh, has potential for finding the people of peace. That's because Jesus' presence goes with us. Each of us, as Christians, wherever we go, take Jesus' presence with us. And everywhere is an opportunity to find people who are up for this, people of peace. So maybe at work or at home in our neighbourhoods, in our schools, uh, you know, wherever you may be, there is Jesus with you and the potential for finding people of peace. Because we're talking about people of peace The thing is, people of peace are actually just people. They're just ordinary people in the crowd around us who are open to the gospel. They're just people. Maybe if you can't think, if we can't think about of anyone who springs to mind, and I'm going to be really gentle here, If you can't think of anybody as a person of peace, maybe you need to get out more. (laughs) Because if you get out more, you're going to get to meet people. Or maybe it's the other way around for you and you do actually get out a lot and you meet a lot of people, but maybe it's just thinking a bit differently about the places you go and the people you meet and thinking about, are these people that God is putting in my path who are open to hear about him. You know, maybe that work colleague who, who wants to help you or is um, asking you questions, or that neighbour who, who brings stuff around, lends you stuff or makes you meals, or, or maybe that friend who's beginning to want to know more about you and what you really think. Maybe that's the person that God is bringing to you. So um, there are different kinds of relationships that we, we come into, that, that the way we can find people at peace, two different types, really. With some people, uh, we will have a passing relationship. So those are the kind of people that we just rub shoulders with on a daily basis, you know, um, the uh, shop assistant or the person you sit next to on the, on the bus or the train or the plane or wherever you are. Uh, the people that you just kind of briefly come into contact with that you might not then have an ongoing relationship, passing relationships. And there's always an opportunity to think about, is the person that I'm talking to a person of peace? And they might well be, 
And your task at that point is just to be Jesus to them, to, to care for them, to, to be polite to that shop assistant, uh, just to be Jesus to them because you're taking Jesus with you. I'm, I'm always amazed by how Kerry gets into conversations with all sorts of people. All sorts of people. If you ask her later, she'll tell you about the pizza delivery man who ends up telling her his life story. Or the person in the pitch next to them when they're camping who just ends up wanting to spend loads of time telling her everything. And I'm always amazed by that. And and I've been wondering about how does she do that? Obviously, she's a fantastically open and lovely person. But she's got this open ear to God. She's listening to what God is saying about each person in each situation that she's in. What has God got for this person? And she's willing to be used in that situation. So these kind of relationships are a bit fleeting. And, you know, we've got a a short opportunity to just say something that might be helpful. It's a bit like a sprint, really. It's It's a fleeting thing. Now, the other kind of relationships, which probably we'd think about more, are permanent relationships. You know those people, your family, your friends, the people that you're in long-term friendships and relationships with, permanent relationships. How do we find people of peace there? Now, the thing is that these relationships are a a longer-term thing. It's it's more like a marathon. You know, there's no rush here. You don't have to go in all guns blazing. You don't need to force the conversation. You just need to be asking, are they open at this moment to, to hearing something or not? Now, Adrian and I love to dance, ballroom dancing. Um, actually, to be honest, I probably love it more than he does, but he loves me, so he comes with me. And we've been doing that for about five years now. We, we started joining a class, and um, we've had a lot of fun there. Uh, now, when we go to the dance class, we take Jesus with us. We can't help it. He's with us all the time. We take him with us. Uh, we have a good dance. And then what's happened over the years is that we've got to know a number of people in the class. Um, And I think we've identified a couple in particular who are people of peace to us. And I'm going to tell you a bit about them now. As we spent time with them, and it usually involved time after dancing somewhere social like the pub together, chatting, um, we've got to know them a bit. And the fact that we're Christian is just obviously obvious. You know, nothing pushy, just simple answers to questions like, what did you do at the weekend? Well, we went to church. Um, what do you do for a living? Obviously, at the beginning of our, our friendship. Well, I work a couple, of week, a couple of days as a GP, and I work a couple of days for the church. Kind of ordinary stuff, just about honest stuff about me and who I am. So they obviously know that we're Christians. At this point, they got really interested, started talking about what they think, what they believe, their kind of background in, in kind of nominal church stuff. And they wanted to talk about it quite a lot. They are people of peace. It's obvious. They're open to the conversation. They're inquiring about it. And actually, they set the pace of the conversation so that, you know, I don't have to force anything. They just ask me all the time. If, it, if they'd made it clear that they didn't want to talk about it, that would have been fine too. At that point, we would have dropped it, carried on dancing, obviously, but we wouldn't have pushed anything at all. 
So this is kind of really gentle, really kind of perceptive proclaiming of the gospel. We're saying we're Christians and this is what we believe. This is what Jesus means to us. And that's all we're saying. And in doing that, we've identified this couple as people of peace. What do I do with a person of peace when I've identified them? What then, then? I'm sitting in the pub with these, this great couple who I'm getting to know. When do I whip out the serviette and do a gospel outline on it? When do I do that? Actually, the easy answer is when they are ready. When God says they're ready and God tells me to. Actually, I think we recognise that they need, there's often a lot of preparation in, uh, in these kind of relationships. Actually, the honest truth is we've known these people for five years. And, and even though they're people of peace, they've been here once at a Christmas service, but we spend a lot of social time with them. But it's slow, but that's okay. Actually, it's okay because the way we look at it is that you know, we're trying to help them get a little bit closer to God, a little bit closer on the journey. They were quite a long way off from God, and our aim is to just bring them on a little bit at a time. There's no rush. It takes time. How do we prepare the soil? You know, how do we, how do we kind of, you know, that, that metaphor of um, plowing and sowing, how do we do that? Well, Jesus says, doesn't he, uh, stay eating and drinking. That's what he said in Luke 10. So in the context of this kind of thing, it doesn't really mean that I'm going to move into the house of these these people. That's not what it means. But what I'm going to do is stay. I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to invite them into my home, maybe, my family, my extended family. And as well as that, I'm going to be willing to be invited into their home, their family, their extended community. It works both ways. Jesus said, stay eating and drinking. So we talk, we eat, we drink, we stay, and we offer to pray. And maybe if we're feeling really bold, we might offer to pray for something like healing for these people. I think offering to pray isn't as scary as it might feel when you've known somebody for quite a long time. Uh, it's often really welcomed. And an offering to pray will show you whether, how, how receptive they are at that time. We're going to watch a video now that John Ducker recorded for On Rescue, which is him talking about offering to pray as a way to find people of peace. Uh, and if the guys are ready, we'll watch that now. John, I'm one of the guys from Feet for the Street team. But one of the ways that I've found to identify a person of peace um, is one of the chaps who was coming down to us every week. We talked to him, made friends with him, he was telling us about his, his problems and his issues and his general life. From encouragement from the other guys on the team, uh, we've been trying to just really casually ask if they would like any prayer for those problems and issues. So one day I just 
mentioned to him at the end of our conversation, would, me like, would you like me to pray for any of the problems that we've talked about? And he nearly jumped out of his seat to say, yes, we, we prayed and it was great, God was there. He went away, he carried on praying, he came back. The next week we start talking more about prayer, more about answered prayer, more about God. And now no, he's, he's praying for himself and he's praying for us, which is lovely. Um, now, with people of peace, don't get worried about the words uh, with all of this stuff. Just think of the concept, who might be open to, to God and who might be open to what we're trying to do. And if they are and they accept offers to prayer, fantastic. And if they're not, that's absolutely fine. We're not trying to bang these people, you know, suffocate them with the gospel. We're just trying to be there to spread God's love. Just let me tell you uh, another story about another missional community uh, to end. And uh, when a time to sow launched uh, just over a year ago, one of the things that Elizabeth and I talked about was this people of peace principle. And at the time, Elizabeth said she didn't know anybody that could be her personal person of peace. And she didn't really know how she was going to find somebody who was going to be a person of peace. But anyway, they launched a time to sew, the sewing cafe. And they trusted God about what he'd called them to do. And over the last year, they've seen a large number of ladies come and go uh, to a time to sew every week. Uh, around 40 or so ladies over the year. But the really, really great thing that's happened recently is that they now have a core of ladies committed to coming Uh, seven or eight ladies who come every week, seven or eight ladies who aren't Christians who come every single week. And these ladies have come in different ways. Some of them have come because other members of the Mitchell community have brought them along. Some of them have come because their friend told them about it. Actually, there's a few of them who've come as a little group in this group of seven or eight. Now, by doing that, they've shown that they are people of peace. They welcome the relationships that are building during a time to sow. And they really, really love each other. So do you know what? Over the summer, when time to sow can't actually meet in our building, one of the ladies, one of these people of peace, said, "Let's, let's try and carry on seeing each other. And so over the summer, they've got times when they're going to go to each other's homes. And that lady's actually opening up her home to have the group come to her. She is a person of peace. She's offering to help. She's really open and welcoming. Remember, that person of peace wants to serve you. And what the time to so have done brilliantly is to welcome that, trust God, and say, yeah, okay, we're going to let you do that. So a year on, Elizabeth is able to say how fantastic God has been and that each member of the missional community can now think about a person and pray for a person who's a person of peace. One of them is starting to talk about prayer, and that's great. Now, these are little steps. Nothing too huge has happened. You know, nobody's getting baptised yet, but you can see that the preparation work is being done. These ladies are really happy to build relationships, and God is at work, and it's really great. It's really great. So, do you know what I really love about this person of peace thing? It takes all that pressure off us 
about evangelism. You know, evangelism is a word that strikes fear into the heart of most Christians. That, that video that we watched at the beginning, you know, ah. But this person of peace thing takes all that fear and difficulty away, doesn't it? Uh, because it's actually easier than that. And I'm reminded of the verse that we heard on the church weekend. If you weren't there, we, we talked a little bit about a verse in Exodus uh, 33, where God is in, uh, encouraging Moses. God answers Moses's, Moses's question by saying, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God's reassuring Moses that people will know that they're uh, his people because of the presence of God will be with them. And I think God is saying to us right now the same thing. You know, Jesus again is turning these things inside out. Our whole guilt-ridden, anxious, striving, outreach efforts, you know, that are done by just one person, the really keen person. He's turning that inside out completely and saying, as you go, all of you, as you go in your everyday life, wherever you go, I'm with you. And I'm going to ask you just to, to speak to the people of peace. And because I'm not asking you to bash down doors or argue people into the kingdom or forces on, on people who aren't interested, I'm going to give you rest in it and joy in it. And I think it's, that's really great because all of us can do that. It's not about some of us doing it, but all of us can do that because it's about relationships in the end. Simon. Great. Thanks uh, to both of you. Let's pause for a, a moment. And uh, as Julie said, um, some of us will know just straight away <laughs> who, the, who the people are. And, uh, 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 and we can see them right now in our, in our minds. And if that's where we are, the question is really simple. How can I build this relationship? How can I build this relationship? And relationships get built by doing simple things often and regularly. How can I build here? And maybe we're still not sure. And, and maybe that for, for us, we're, we were challenged by the sense of, of going. Maybe I, I'm not sure because I haven't gone yet and entered perhaps some different spaces, different households, different groups of people. Perhaps I, I haven't gone to work with that mindset. Perhaps I haven't gone to the, the place where I, I play my sport with that mindset. And maybe just in these moments, God's offering you a place. To look, a place to begin in your prayers to bless. As you bless a house, if a person of peace is there, Jesus said, they will receive your blessing. So maybe God's giving you a place. It might not be what you thought. Jesus turns things inside out. You might have naturally thought of a particular place. And suddenly there's another place coming into your mind. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And the great thing about all that God's calling us to do is that he's not calling us to do this on our own. He sent them out together. Uh, And we need to look around for people for our journey. 
People that we'll share this with. People will be in it with us. People who will know our people of peace and pray with us for them. That might naturally be your missional community. It might naturally be a, a different group. It might be a, a, a few Christians that you, you just share together um, regularly that can be those people that are together with you in your going and in your relating. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and speak to our hearts and our minds. Thank you that you've given us simple tools of friendship and relating, things that all of us can do as human beings. And thank you that out of the simplicity of relating, the truth of your gospel can grow and flourish in people's lives. Help us if we're finding ourselves today in a place where our evangelism is stressing us out or our evangelism is stressing out those that we're seeking to evangelize. May both of those be little amber flashing lights. And would you bring us back to these principles of blessing and loving and caring and proclaiming your kingdom where the soil is ready. Help us in these things. Thank you that week by week through our relationships, people are journeying towards Jesus because they're finding Jesus in us. Be our help and our guide, we pray. Amen.